Welcome to Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host and Provincial Field Crop Specialist, Caitlin Condon. Today is going to be a really fun episode because I'm joined by three producers to chat about the Maritime Yield Enhancement Network. For a little background on the yen, it originated in the UK and has been running in PEI since 2019, with Nova Scotia and New Brunswick joining in 2020. The Maritime Yen currently accepts entries for spring and winter wheat, barley, and oats, with the hope of expanding into more crops in the future. The network as a whole consists of a collaboration between producers, AAFC researchers, the Atlantic Grains Council, and provincial partners who do some of the on-the-ground coordination and data collection. Throughout the growing season, infield samples of soil, plants, and grain post-harvest are collected. Data such as rooting depth, crop cultivar, and agronomic management are combined into a report benchmarking individual production practices against everyone else in the network. The result is a wealth of information both for the producer and for the ag research community to be able to look at management trends and potentially identify areas that can benefit from more investigation regionally. The fun part of the yen is that it's also a friendly competition. For each crop, first, second, and third places are acknowledged for overall yield, as well as percent potential yield, which is determined by calculating the theoretical potential yield of an individual field and comparing that with the actual yield. This year, for the first time, there was also an award for nitrogen use efficiency, so the most amount of grain per unit nitrogen applied. I'm really happy to have some of the winners from Nova Scotia here with me today, and you'll get to hear a little bit more about their experience with the yen and their management in the 2022 cropping season. So let's get into it. Thank you all for doing this. This is going to be uh, really fun, I think. But to kind of kick things off, I just want you each to introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about your farm. Who wants to go first? Uh, my name is Niels uh, Langalan. We uh... I farm with my brother Jake and my my mom and dad in Ellsford. We're primarily a dairy farm, and we also farm around uh, fifteen hundred acres total of corn, soybeans, and wheat. Is around eight hundred acres in those rotations, mostly corn for silage and high moisture corn, and then uh, the wheat we grow for the straw. Well, we don't grow just for the straw, but we grow it, you know. We need the straw, but we, we grow it in a good rotation crop, and uh, that's, you know, the basics of our, of our farm, I guess. So. Yeah, excellent. Chris? All right, I'll go next. Uh, my name's Chris Vissers. Uh, I farm Winding River Farms with my cousin, uh, Bert Harbors. Primarily a dairy farm. We run about 900 acres, mainly producing feeds just for the, the herd, but do have a little bit of cash crop stuff on the side. We've been toying with some wheat and beans and some grain corn over the years. Awesome. Joey. Joe Vanderreek from Shubenacadie, Sunny Knoll Farm. I farm with my wife and my parents. And we grow uh, forage for our cows and, and also we do some uh, corn, wheat, and soybeans as well. So Excellent. Yeah, so all dairy We're farmers. All pretty similar. Right? <laughs> all pretty yeah. similar, yeah. yeah got, um, similar rotations. We're all in the same program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It must be a winning program, <laughs> I, I guess, because you all won things this year in the Yield Enhancement Network. 
yeah, there must be some sort of secret in the dairy farming thing that's uh, that's working. So we've kind of got a bit of a range. Niels, it was your first year in the yeah. yen this year, and you guys have both been in before. So I kind of want to get um, those two different perspectives of being in it for the first year. Um, kind of what value did you see going in versus now that you've done it and seen seen the report coming out the other end? Yeah, so going into it, I guess I followed it for a little while before I went into it. Mm -hmm. And I seen, I guess I seen last year, maybe it was last year, they had the awards and and uh, a bunch of farmers I knew were in there and then the yield enhancement area. I knew about it. Yeah. And I said, well, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to put a field in that. So this year, we, we you know, Caitlin, you convinced me to do it. So Bullied we, you we, into yeah, it. Yeah. We put a field in. It, it was a good looking field. Mm-hmm. So... I, I didn't do anything different this year than we did on any other acre. We kind of I kind of just did what I always did, just yeah. to you know see where we are, a bit of a starting point. For sure. What do I see for uh, benefit or information? I, I I don't know yet. It was neat to see the report because it, it really broke down all of our nutrients and population, planting date, etc. That mm-hmm. I could see it on those little charts to compare where where mine rated against all the other people in the program. So yeah. that was a bit of a thing to, you know, you could pick out a few things. So this is where I'm way out of whack or this one is, you know, right in an average and this mm-hmm. one was quite a bit above. And and uh, I don't know exactly what I take from it yet other than, you know, plant your wheat early. That will seems to have a huge difference. Yeah, and, that seemed uh, to be the, the take-home message <laughs> at, uh, in PEI there yeah, a couple plant, weeks ago. Plant early, <laughs> you know, but I think there's a lot to be learned if you really want to get in the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah. Um, not sure how far we'll take it with everything because I need to be able to I need to be able to handle all the work too of, for sure of, of really micromanaging things but yeah there's definitely some some good things to pick up in that in that report and and, and uh, you know we'll, we'll try a few different things this year and see what uh, how that affects it but every mm-hmm. year's different also keep in mind so yes you know maybe maybe I'm good to put different fields in it or, or, or a couple fields that aren't you know different situations a little bit to see how they would respond and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so yeah that's that's what I've got from it so far yeah yeah and I think that's an interesting place to start with just not doing anything differently and just kind of seeing where where your regular practices would fall so yeah, just to see where that ends up and yeah and then uh, make changes as we go probably will make changes to every acre because no of course not every field is different and every you know, every part of the field, parts of the fields are different too. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, there's definitely, you can, you can pick up things to change and try out, things to try out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you guys having done it for, well, you've done two years now and you've been three? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I guess same question, kind of what, what value did you see entering into it and now that you've been in it for a couple of years? Well, Sonny's the one that kind of got me started on it the, the first year and, uh, we kind of picked a, a good field is what he thought mm-hmm. uh, maybe one of the poorer fields and uh, you can kind of look at some of the numbers that came off of it to see kind of where the differences were mm-hmm. um, definitely population for like being a early seeding made mm-hmm. a, a big difference he really pushed the micromanaging on me he yeah. was kind of right there telling me what I needed to do before I knew I needed to do it so <laughs> it was it was a good learning experience for me yeah. and I actually seen 
the benefit of understanding some of where it needed to be and when to hit it with uh, the different uh, products at the different times yep. and, and what you can do with the wheat crop. Uh, so, I mean, and then, uh, and then to get some of the information afterwards, I'd say the first year I never really got a lot out of it because it was a lot of information that I just didn't decipher. I was looking at a lot of like uh, the stuff that they were getting in uh, Europe and like, mm. still trying to figure out how you can have that much topsoil. So, <laughs> right. <it's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the program was not set up for yeah, the so, Maritimes it was, initially. <laughs> it, it was it was a little different, but it was yeah. uh, it was fun to kind of see and understand some of it. And uh, I, I think I think in time and by doing this year after year, you're really going to start getting a good feel of uh, of what your fields are capable mm. of. And uh, and I'm hoping to pull more information out that I I think I can utilized to my advantage yeah. so awesome I, I find a lot of value in just seeing what you know what these other guys were doing because yes. it shows what what their fertility or their spray program is and yeah you know it gives you some, some different insight into what other people are doing and it's we're all close proximity so it would work uh, on, on our farm mm -hmm. and uh, also I was surprised I had two entries and I was and they all had the same exact same treatment same day and I was surprised on how much different the yield yeah. was on those two pieces one was on a it kind of a heavy piece of ground and yeah. one was a sandy piece of ground and and it was you know we had a dry summer and mm -hmm. it really had really a big showed effect there. and they were pretty close proximity yeah. to each other too so yeah that was interesting yeah, no, that's one of the things that's kind of cool to look at yeah. is like the water that was available over the season and and exactly how that played into your soil type this, like or your water holding yeah, capacity. The sandy field looked like it was going to be a knockout yield, but yeah. it didn't. It didn't, didn't materialize. Didn't hold up. No. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I see a lot of benefit in this is you can take that and say, why, well, man, maybe you should back off on that one a little bit because you're throwing money away sometimes in a dry right? year on especially. some of those fields yeah. right and yeah they just don't have the potential the other one would have so yeah that's where or even you know. long term like what can you do to maybe help increase that water holding capacity and oh yeah totally and make some of those not so immediate changes <laughs> but yeah look at it from a long-term lens and it's nice also that it's on a large scale, not a plot size. Like it's yeah, no, cool. No, I really like the um, being able to see what what everybody else is doing, and especially um, where we're doing this across the Maritimes. It's kind of neat to talk to the guys at PEI in New Brunswick and kind of see. Yeah, that was how neat because I think we're all for winter wheat. Were you yeah. Chris, too? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we all did winter wheat, and then some of these other guys growing oats. And I, I used mm. to grow barley and got like one point two ton an acre yeah this is a horrible crop to grow and now you see some of these guys pulling three ton an acre so, well gee i guess you know yeah and, and and oats too you know the oats really surprised tons me an acre oats i mean i've heard of it but to up see in it northern done, new brunswick yeah it's like <laughs> wow you know that things have changed you can you can yeah. do things a lot better yeah and, you know, well that's what we found on our farm too we're growing the same crops we've always grown but yeah but the yields are just the management changed yeah the yeah. equipment gets better and yeah and how you do it hopefully the varieties get a little better yeah, too over yeah. time i mean it's a slow process obviously breaking out yeah. new cereal varieties but so the way you do things makes a big difference yeah. more than i thought it would i guess when yeah. i was when i was starting to get into it right so 
Yeah. Back when we knew it all. Yeah, right after college when you knew <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Freshly graduated. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit about your management. I know it's just, you know, this is what I do every year, but um, let's talk about like nitrogen applications and are you split? split applying nitrogen and what are you using for fungicides, PGRs, things like that? So for us, this is Neil speaking, um, I, uh, I've been doing one application of nitrogen the last, I've done split apps in the past. Mm-hmm. Usually if the wheat's looking poor, I'd go in, you know, early at green up hundred pounds an acre or something yep. and then come back. Our thing is I run a pole type fertilizer spreader it doesn't match up to the wheel tracks of my sprayer I don't have liquid fertilizer to put through the sprayer so mm-hmm. I don't want the tram lines in the field yeah. and I don't have the equipment to do it all in the same tram line so I guess that's where I've found you know I gotta get all my nitrogen on the end of what is it like that end of April first of May mm-hmm. you know before it really starts to uh, grow tall then I can yeah. get on there I can spread it and the tracks disappear after a couple right. weeks so that's been that's been our strategy is, mm-hmm. is just trying to wait as long as we can without leaving tracks just because I'm on a different wheel uh, tread spacing. So so the last two years we had pretty good crop and that's what we did. I uh, did 150 pounds of actual nitrogen and uh, yeah, the last year I did that all in one, all in one smash. Mm-hmm. I'd like to split it but I just don't have the equipment to do yeah. that right now. So totally. I don't know if it's worth investing in uh getting all set up for liquid fertilizer just to do that I mean yeah it'd be nice but I don't know if I have enough acres to justify that so yeah it has so, to be it has yeah, to be practical so you know that's where I'd like to get and then yeah. maybe wait a little longer and then I could put a, the second you know put a second application on like you know growth stage 32 or something mm-hmm. but I just yeah I need to stay in my same my same track wheel pattern yeah, so definitely so, so that's what we've been doing um I know how to improve. It just needs to, you need a little bit different equipment to do it, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. For uh, our management for our wheat, uh, the first thing I try to do is when we're getting it in, uh, I get a good kill on any of the weeds that are there and using the Aragon and mm-hmm. Roundup, basically making sure everything was a, a clean slate for the, for the wheat to take off. The spring, I've kind of given up on doing any extra herbicide mm-hmm. treatment as long as Your fall stuff is sufficient. fall stuff seems yeah. to be good enough, uh, or I feel it is. Yeah. We split our nitrogen application at home. Um, it might be just stay a little cooler and wetter out our way. Mm-hmm. That uh, I think we can see the benefit from uh, getting the, the two applications on. I did... I think I skipped my fungicide this year the for flag leaf. Mm-hmm. Again, it was Probably dry year, so. <laughs> could, yeah, not the best year for it. Dealt with some rust uh, yeah. afterwards. Probably I would go back to doing that. Yeah. Uh, with the winter wheat, uh, I did some of the PGRs for a year, mm-hmm. maybe two. Not sure that I've seen a lot of uh, benefit in, uh, in that for that year, so I backed off on it as well. Mm-hmm. So. But I didn't see a lot of lodging or anything from it. So, other than that, it was, yeah. It's just I guess I did our uh, our head spray there, the the right. herbicide. There. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Chris, did you you didn't put any spring herbicide on straw stayed pretty clean. You didn't yeah, have much lambs quarter rags ragweed coming through no, or anything. No, in our area, I found uh, because I'm going in after a corn or beans. And yeah. I'm just no tilling in. I'm not working a lot of the ground. Mm-hmm. Just by getting that 
I, I feel like that Aragon gives you a little bit of a residual yeah, it uh, does. through the yeah. year, maybe a little bit into the spring. Uh, a little bit. And as long as the uh, as long as the wheat takes off good and early, and I can get a good. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. Is ran up Aragon in the fall as well, but mm -hmm. I've always thrown Buckdrill in the spring. Yeah, but I didn't know if I needed it, and uh, you know, so mm. it's nice to know your fields are clean because I'd like yeah. to like to keep it out and maybe put a PGR in uh, instead. I don't, I don't want to mix too many things together. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, then I just wasn't yeah. sure how clean. I just was yeah. so paranoid of getting those that flush of yeah. lambs quarter. This year right? you can coming in, so. leave a strip uh, unsprayed in the spring and see yeah, what happens. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the fields were clean last fall, but yeah. it's just those spring annuals that for sure. Yeah, kind of. Which aren't the yield. They're not going to rob yield. They're not going to rob yield. I, they're really just, just doing it for, for keeping the straw, the straw totally. clean as possible. Yeah. And, yeah. And say, okay, it's good to yeah. I usually throw in a spray of axial in the spring only because I had one time I had a, saved a field that I thought I was going to have to plow under. Oh, yeah. And it was amazing what it did. Like, it, I was so amazed. Like, it was just kind of like a Hail Mary, but it really worked. And you could see, like, after I sprayed it, you know, if, if I, if I, missed a little bit you, you could see it right to harvest mm. it was pretty pretty stark so i use it's it's a little bit expensive but mm. I, you just that's for it. grass yeah gra okay. i'll just do it in that like mcpa or something oh yeah okay yeah nice and what are you doing for your fungicides uh just the same the the head spray and yep. um, i do also do the aragon and and uh glyphosate in the fall yeah yep. uh, pre-emerge i guess so mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a little bit of lodging this year, so I might put a might put a growth regulator on. We had yeah. almost four ton an acre. Well, yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a pretty heavy crop. A heavy. Yeah. We, it was looking so good, and we had a real like thundered hail, and it just yeah. really lodged. And a lot of it came back up, but it was and it was still able to get underneath it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just looked like crap. It was like, I don't know what it was like three weeks before harvest or oh, something. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was a it took a beating. But I guess that's the thing is you take that. If you don't get thunderstorm, you probably you're didn't, you'd probably make that PGR, right? Exactly. And, but and that's where I've no. always asked. Uh, I don't like spending the money, yeah. but at the same time, yeah. No, Could save you. The seed rep said she's never seen that variety go down before. Oh. Matches <laughs> <laughs> you are your seed rep. <laughs> they used to say it was impossible to lodge winter wheat, but I think we're taking the oh, yields a lot further than yeah. we used to. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, even just in the past 10 years in, yeah. in the Maritimes, yields on winter wheat have gone up Because I remember we so used to go much. to meetings like, yeah, like 10 years ago, yeah. and, and the speakers would be saying, you know, don't worry about lodging winter wheat. Yeah. It wasn't no, that long ago that I was just trying to get two ton to the acre of winter wheat. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Now it's, you're disappointed if you're not touching yeah. three. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's changed a lot. Well, we've had sure. a couple good growing years, I think. Yeah. And I'm going to be interested how that affects it. Because. Yes. I don't know. There's been years five, six years ago that I'd be planting in mud in the fall and then yeah. wet and cold in the spring and then like, you know, pretty poor crops. Yeah. Uh, especially with wheat. Um, so well, we haven't right. had that the last probably three years, so Yeah. No, you're right. Like twenty. Yeah, I don't want to get too overconfident on, on, yeah, on I how guess things you'll are. get to try to do that again at some point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to. Someday it's gonna happen. And I'm wondering how like because we farm differently now too. So I don't know right. how much yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, how on those those years it's gonna Yeah. How things will be be affected. No, we've had a couple of really beautiful falls and really long falls that have allowed the winter wheat to to really, you know, 
get some good growth on before winter. So yeah. both yeah, this, this one, past this fall really and so far. Excellent. Yeah. So planting date, what are you, what are you targeting and what is your actual <laughs> planting <laughs> date? Cause those are often different things. Uh, for us, honestly, I'd love to be able to get it in by the middle of September. Uh, and is that following beans? That would be following beans, yeah. but my actual planting date is probably 1st of October by the time everything comes around. Yeah. Uh, maybe I would get to a point where I'd start planting an earlier variety of beans to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes after corn silage, it's it's worked well to get it in a little bit early, but yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of my window between the middle of the... September in the middle of October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I agree with that. Yeah, pretty much the same. The earlier, the better, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We put mez down with ours for the first time, so we'll see how. Yeah, we've been doing that the last yeah. few years, and I think that's made a huge difference with just getting them established. Yeah. yeah. Oh so. yeah, totally. Yeah. Like on our farm, we've we've gotten planning earlier. We're growing the same crops, but probably the last five years, we got quite a bit of new equipment. Like. It, we went no-till. I think you guys are probably both no-till. Yep. Like I, for for a decade before we would disc everything mm-hmm. and then we put in conventional, and then it gets wet and mm-hmm. mud, and then everything yeah. looks terrible. And you'd be planting middle of October right. to end of October. Yeah. I planted some in November before. <laughs> so now, like our rotation's always following, or we'd always follow soybeans because yeah. I try to try to leave the corn silage stubble for no-till soybeans next year. Mm-hmm. So we always try to follow. Uh, wheat after the soybeans we got our own combine now which has helped things because we can really push to get that those beans harvested as early as possible my brother Jake harvests the soybeans and he he's on it Mm. like this year it was September 23rd or something and we were we were out there starting to cut already and we grow an early variety of soybeans like Oh, one maturity soybeans, right. which are usually ready that last week of September. Yep. You can start combining them. So that's been our thing is growing early beans. And basically, as soon as he's pulling out with the combine, I'm in with the sprayer and mm. planting the next day. So usually I'm able to get the early soybean or early winter wheat planted that last week of September. Yeah. So that's what our target well, is. Well, yeah, like when you can cut out the disking and everything oh like yeah it, it just saves so much time steady up and that's that's where we do it different is we could just get in quicker now yeah. with with a good no-till drill and, and 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 having your own combine and and uh the draper head helps a lot because when the soybeans are a little green you can still push them through a little bit you don't like to but mm-hmm. you know they're the beans are dry the stems are pretty green yeah it's kind of like you're <laughs> sometimes not sure what to do with the beans come off dry <laughs> and you're slugging them through a little bit but it's it pays off on the wheat on the wheat crop big time. Yeah. So, so that's been our uh, our goal is at last week of September. We can't go early earlier because the beans just aren't yeah. ready. So we were all in PEI recently uh, and heard the guy from the UK talking about um, his his yen experience and his yen fields, and something that he said that I thought was really interesting um, was that he's trying to do he's trying to enter the same field in the yen every year with different crops because so for up until now we've um in the maritimes have just been doing cereals and in the uk they started with cereals but then they added a whole bunch of other crops too so i think it's the intention of um 
AFC and the Atlantic Greens canceled to expand into soybeans and corn eventually, which would kind of, I guess, allow allow that, you know, single fields to be entered multiple years in a row with those different crops. Would that be something you'd be interested in? And what do you think it might show? I think it would be uh, a great thing because you can follow your uh, your soil scores to kind of see, uh, really follow what, uh, how the crop is coming along or how the field is coming along. Mm-hmm. Not that you're mining it down, you want good, good soil structure some good bug activity and that in there and uh, mm. I mean if we can figure out if we can grow certain things do better after a certain crop or do, uh, like you know kind of find ways to, to heal that soil I guess each mm-hmm. time in between that would be kind of a, a real neat uh, neat thing to, to kind of look at on a report yeah for sure I mean I it's great to take off a 3.8 3.9 ton yield but what is it how does that affect uh, the crop that's in there next year? Yeah, it'd be nice to see some other crops, like not just the small grain crops, mm-hmm. but yeah, corn, soybeans, and see what everybody else is doing with them as well. So Yeah, definitely. I think corn's one of the ones that I don't know much about. Yeah. I grow a lot of corn, but, you know, I, I don't know. Soybeans, I, I, I don't know. Soybeans, you can you can do things a <laughs> hundred different ways and come to the same <laughs> yield. You know, like not quite as nuanced. Whereas corn is like one of those things you mess something up and and you'll see it, or you know you manage it slightly different. It's like wheat, or, mm-hmm. I think so with the yield. Like you can really the, the way you manage it, I think will probably make a big difference. So I, I'd see something with corn, but yeah. I mean, yeah, the wheat, we, the wheat's had a huge impact. So mm. if if you can get something like that, that information, I guess, out of, out of other crops, I'd see the benefit for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool to see when we have, I mean, so now we've got three seasons worth of of data on the cereals from across the Maritimes, and um, just looking at the data and the charts and stuff that Aaron had up there, it's, it's amazing that you can start to see some of those trends, so I think it'd be really cool to dive into that in some other crops as well. This past year, we've said it a couple times already, it was really dry. I think that some of the uh, characteristics that would, or some of the factors that went into what you ended up with for yield would have to have been from your soil and, you know, the soil health and the soil structure and all that. Chris, you had an interesting thing in one of your fields where that field had some compost in it and you saw some differences in that from like based on what you saw this year versus, you know, yeah. years past? Uh, yeah, so that was uh, part of a compost trial for the last three years, four years of different spots in it. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to see where you guys took your sample mm. for it. And that was in uh, a spot where we were putting uh, yeah, compost every year for the, for all those years. So I think it was 10 ton to the acre. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it would have been kind of neat to see if we had a, kind of had a sample from the spot that didn't have it because yeah. that field there wouldn't have seen dairy manure for the last, well, since we started, it was three or four years in a row. So, right. And that's been just basically been a corn bean rotation so we could kind of measure what uh, the compost was doing. So uh, it kind of makes me think after seeing some of that stuff that or, and what the, the benefit of that was for the field that... Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's 
because the when I watched the compost, it wasn't like a quick reaction mm -hmm. to it. It seemed to be over uh, a number of uh, after a couple of years, uh, you would see things that seemed to get a little bit better. There were some things were a little bit off on it, but it's uh, yes, yeah, so it was just it it kind of makes you feel like uh, maybe maybe with some of this like. Uh, the cover cropping and stuff there there are some some good positive things that we can kind of bring out of mm. out of that to kind of build that uh, soil up a little bit better get that bug activity in there get that make that work for us to, yeah. uh, to, to turn off good crops without having to put a lot of extra in so. yeah well and if you're starting to see some impact from that just in a few years like yeah. that's that's really exciting I think there will be definitely more changes to come mm -hmm. So you guys are all dairy farms, so you all have manure available. Talk to me a little bit about how manure fits into your your regular rotation, I guess. So w would you be using manure in on your wheat year, or would it be have been a year before the wheat went in? Or yeah, for us, uh, generally, our manure doesn't. Our, our wheat fields haven't had manure on them for probably two years mm -hmm. because our our rotation is, for the most part, corn, corn, soybean, like corn, high moisture corn, and then corn silage, and mm -hmm. then soybeans, and, and then wheat. Every cornfield is basically getting manure on in the spring, mm -hmm. and that burns up most of our manure in the spring, and then what's left over, we get the pits empty, we put that on some, some fields are going into soybeans, mm -hmm. but it's kind of a little bit random which fields are getting it, and some of them may end up in wheat, and some, some don't. And then the the other place we've been using manure is after our wheat comes off. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we've got into is as soon as the wheat's harvested and the straw's out, then we'll put a pretty heavy coat of manure down in the summer when things are good and dry, and then uh, give it a light a light tillage pass and uh, seed a cover crop. So that's where we would really pound a lot of manure on, and that sets us up for the next the, the corn crop following that wheat and, yeah. and then with the strip tiller. So that's where we use our manure. Is the wheat? The wheat doesn't get much nutrients from the wheat crop. Doesn't get much nutrients from the manure, but yeah, it, kind of that. The wheat is a residual from a couple years. Yeah, back it's residual. And, that yeah. having that wheat crop gives us an opportunity to, to really put some good get some good mm -hmm. manure usage in the summer when things are dry and the pits have been filling back up. So then come fall, we're not dealing with much manure in the fall anymore. We'll put a little bit on the hay fields after second cut. Mm -hmm. And that usually gets the pits all down far enough to get us through to the spring again. Yeah, excellent. Typically for us, we uh, uh, most of our manure gets used on uh, on the corn fields, or uh, I'd like to say it would go all the way to the corn fields that need it the most. But sometimes it goes to you the, know, fields. the ones that are close to the farm. Yeah. <laughs> depending on what's happening. How much time do you have? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, we uh, like we talked about timing with trying to get uh, winter wheat in the ground. Yeah, we're pushing it already with uh, getting waiting for beans to come off or waiting for corn yeah, to come off. Sure. So you to wait another few days of trying to haul manure, getting it in, and uh, it's it typically doesn't fit that rotation for us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for us, was just, we did that a few years. We tried to get yeah. the manure on at, yeah. like after the soybeans be, to try and feed that. And it didn't do us any benefit. Right. It, like time you were a good week later planting. Yeah. So I mean, we've didn't. had some like pack manure and that that we use, but like like I said, when we started putting the mez and that down in the planter with the uh, with the wheat, it kind of gives us just enough that little boost, yeah. And uh, 
and I'm sure there's some good residual in these fields mm. uh, from seeing it in the in the previous crop or mm -hmm. whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we we would get manure on in this. We usually put our weed in behind corn silage, so we'd mm -hmm. get a heavy coat of manure in the spring before the corn goes before in. Before the corn goes yeah. in, so I don't know how much carryover there is. I'm sure there's some, but uh, yeah, usually gets a good coat. So yeah. Well, and because you're doing it fairly regularly over the years, like those fields are definitely getting a lot back that you know that you're that you wouldn't necessarily get back if you weren't if you didn't have manure and you didn't have livestock in that resource and stuff. Talking to Aaron over in PEI, it sounded like some of the dairy guys there were really throwing the manure on in their wheat year um, to try to get that boost. So. Kind of a, a different approach, I guess. Yeah, there'll probably be more weed on there next year now that Joey took their trophy. But probably, yeah, they're going to want that back. But <laughs> I think we should hold on to it for a while. We'll give her, we'll give her a good run for the money. Yeah, yeah. proper thing. Yeah, yeah. I think just uh, getting it in as quick as you can is probably more important than trying to put the manure on for mm. sure. Mm -hmm. that, that takes some time and you may lose your window. No, I'd agree with that. I think it's better to get it planted a couple days earlier and, and do a good job there than to try to bank on those nutrients. One thing about this fall was it was so dry. I don't know about you guys, but we had it planted and it was sat just there, sat there. For, <laughs> for ages. Yeah. And then yeah, we didn't get a shower and just took ground straight out of the ground. Yeah. 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 Didn't stop growing until January. Yeah. You know, I had a neighbor, yeah. he, put, he put hog manure on when his wheat was up a few inches. Yeah. Like, cause it was good and dry, yeah. right? And it, and it worked great. Mm -hmm. So you didn't see the tracks from the spreader or anything. Like, so I mean, that, in that case good. you put manure on afterwards. But yeah. I don't know if it'd work for us cause you just get too many things on the go. Yeah, but exactly. it definitely. Busy uh, time of year. <laughs> yeah, if you can do it, like maybe get the wheat planted first and then put it on if it's good and dry. I think at yeah. that young stage, if it's dry, you're not gonna cause many issues with compaction. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to know what we're going to do. What, what do we have to do differently next year, Chris, to beat Joey? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we're gonna well, at least beat the Islanders. Yeah. Beat, the, beat the Islanders, yeah. <laughs> if I had those questions, I would have won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this year, too, this was the first time that we did the nitrogen use efficiency one, and you won that, right, Joey? Yeah. So that's that was kind of an interesting one to look at. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, yeah. but uh, I think there's a certain amount of luck in that one, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the, I mean, it, it kind of, that's a, you know, you, you're only going to put down so much nitrogen and it's kind of in, in the environmental conditions, how much you're going to How much you're going to be up, able right? to take yeah. up, for sure. The, the difference in what each field is able to kind of... Absolutely. Yeah, that's so, right. I mean, we all have that field that's right beside the barn that's had manure for years that has done great, drains yeah. great. I'm sure that's going to convert things really well every time, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I struggle with that one in the spring when you got truckload and truckload and truckload of <laughs> nitrogen coming, right? Like, yeah. you know, and it's not cheap anymore, no. right? So the economics are different and grain prices are high, but yeah, trying to find that balance is, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe this yen can give us a little more information with that. Cause it, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely proves that you can only put so much nitrogen on and you're not going to see exponential benefits from just whacking more nitrogen on like that that curve definitely levels out at some point so i guess you have to you have to try to find 
the balance between where that levels out yield-wise and where it pays economically. Thank you for doing this. I think it was really fun. I think the yen has been such a a learning experience for me too, being relatively new, I guess now in this position, being able to see that and see it kind of changing over the last few years has been really exciting. So I'm looking forward to it continuing. I hope you all stay involved. (laughs) Tell your friends, everybody join the yen. (laughs) I think there's a lot of, of cool lessons to be to be learned there. And I think it's just a matter of what you want to take out of it. No, thank you very much. And uh, actually, I want to thank you for doing this podcast because I've actually gotten a lot of good information over the last year listening to it while I'm doing betting in the barn or something. So it's, Excellent. Uh, it's good stuff that we can actually use here in the Maritimes. So. I really appreciate that. That was my hope, was that people would like listen to it in the tractor or something. So. There's lots of egg podcasts <laughs> there out are, there. Yeah. Nothing that's really yeah. local yeah. Yeah. here in Nova yeah. Scotia, so... No, it was good. I, uh, I've tried some different things because of it, so. Yeah, awesome. That's always good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Thanks again to Niels Langling, Chris Vissers, and Joey Vanderreet for joining me and sharing their yen experiences. In the 2022 yen, Chris took home the top spot for percent potential yield in winter wheat, harvesting 76.68% of the potential crop in his field. Niels placed third in the same category and second for overall winter wheat yield with a 3.72 ton to the acre crop. Joey was the big winner coming second for percent potential yield of winter wheat and first for nitrogen use efficiency and first for overall winter wheat yield with 3.84 ton to the acre. I'd also like to give a shout out to the other Nova Scotian winners, Doug Stone of Bookma Farms, who placed first in the percent potential yield category for barley, and the crew at the Dow Faculty of Agriculture Farm, who placed third in the nitrogen use efficiency category for barley. For more information on the Maritime Yen, please check out the Atlantic Grains Council website linked in the show notes. If you are a Nova Scotian producer and would like to participate for the 2023 cropping season, please get in touch with me. You can subscribe to the podcast to get a notification when there are future episodes of the podcast available. Follow us on social media at NS Perennia. Thanks to Perennia for supporting this podcast and Rachel Oxner and the marketing and communications team for production and design.